Well, good morning. How are we doing out there? Everybody doing okay? All right, there you go. Hey, since I'm new, if you're like here for the first time or second time or third time, it's kind of, well, I'm glad you're here. I'm like, this is my third time. I've only been here three times to this church, and I'm like, I'm speaking. Like, what's that about? Anyway, um, I want to introduce you to uh, for another first-time person, though, and that's my wife, Jean. So I'm going to have Jean stand. All right, there you go. And uh, anyway, so um, delighted to be here and be a part of Hope Church and what God's doing here and excited to see what He's going to continue to be doing in your life and in mine in the days and weeks to come. So let me let in kind of like on a little secret for me. Second service, this is like awesome. Anyway, so here's the deal though. Like I'm, uh, I'm like all about kind of community, like, it's important for me to know, like, people are with me and all that. So, like, when I walk up here in just a moment, it'd be a great opportunity for you to move forward, okay, and move in. And, like, even sit next to somebody, pretend like you like them. Okay, so why don't you do that, and that would be, like, awesome, okay? Seriously, come on up, move forward. That'd be wonderful. If you're in the second row, you're cool there. That's okay. That's okay. But if you're off to the side, that'd be great. Don't have to do it, but that's, that's it. Okay, cool. See, they're not so bad. Awesome. Way to go. Okay, good, good, good. All right, see, I feel a lot more at home already. That's a good, that's a good thing. Anyway, hey, okay, so, like, this is my Bible right here, and, um, like, I've had it a while, like, I've tried some new Bibles, but, like, this is my Bible. I like I, this Bible works for me. I mean, I like, I, I don't know what that is, but um, I've had it a long time. It's just kind of, you know. Anyway, and uh, a while back, I was uh, with my older brother, and we were with my dad, and, uh, and we went to visit my mom, who was in a, a convalescent uh, home at the time. And uh, my dad would go every day to see my mom and be with her and pray and sing and all kinds of good stuff. And he only lived about a mile away from where she was. And, and, uh, but that day, my brother came and I came and we were there. And, and after we visited my mom, we decided to uh, go get some lunch. And so uh, we kind of packed my dad into my brother's car. We were in two cars, and I took off, and, and uh, my brother and my dad were behind in, their car, in my brother's car, and we're driving down the road to get to this restaurant, and I look behind me, and I go, there's something on top of my brother's car, and then like there's stuff flying out, and I'm like, what? No, my Bible. I had set my Bible on top of the car, so like, you know, like I'm spreading the Word of God all over the city, this place, you know, and I'm, I'm like, what's going on here? And so, um, you know, like a lot of Bibles at the back, they have like the helps and they have like how to study and actually how to like grow and learn stuff out of the Bible. All that's gone in mine. Anyway, and so I lost, uh, I lost, I, I only go to chapter 18 in Revelation. So if you know how it ends, let me know, because I'm like, what? What happens? What's the deal? Anyway, um, unexpected stuff like that happens to us in life, stuff that we don't have any idea what's going on. And, and at points in life, we can kind of, kind of sort of just go through life and miss some unexpected things that God wants to do in our life that are really positive. And it's easy for us to come and sit in the same seat in the same row for months or years or whatever and get kind of comfortable and enjoy being here, which is great, 
but we can leave kind of unchanged. And we can miss that God wants to do something in your life and in my life. So I'm just going to ask you for a moment just to be quiet before God and just say, hey, God, you know, would you just speak to me today? Don't you do that? Just take a moment, maybe bow your head and before God, just just say, God, would you just speak to me today? Jesus, just be in this place today, and you know our hearts and lives. We pray that today would be a day where maybe something unexpected happens to us, that you speak a word of hope to us. You speak a word of of comfort or passion. You speak a word that moves us forward or deeper toward you. But you speak. We listen. We respond. God, just be here, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this talk is really becoming an unusual person. Sometimes when we use that word unusual, we think kind of weird or odd or psycho or something. We think, you know, strange. That I want to flip that for us this morning a little bit and talk about unusual in terms of being remarkable, spectacular, being a person that God really wants you, becoming the person God created and designed you to be, becoming a remarkable person for God and with God. I want to talk about that today, and I want to look at kind of, kind of three choices that a person who really wants to follow Jesus in his steps, three choices that we can make to help us in some practical ways become much more like Christ in our life each and every day. Now, you may not be there yet. You might be in the path of discovery, and you're like, I'm just checking Jesus out. That's great. You might be, I'm just kind of ramping up. I'm just kind of getting going. I'm starting to figure it out. Uh, That's great. You might be, you know, I've been down the path for a while. You might be off the path. You might be in a ditch somewhere in your life and going, I am like overwhelmed by something. That's okay. But today, let me give you some kind of just three kind of key things I think will really help us in terms of becoming more and more the kind of people that God wants us to be. And it comes out of this, I'm just going to pull out of Philippians, uh, the very first chapter, some of the very first verses in that first chapter. And if you remember, Paul, who's writing this particular little letter to this church in Philippi, Paul, Paul was the person that like just did not like people who were following Jesus. More than did not like them, he was trying to eradicate them. His passion was really to get rid of kind of this new sect, this new whatever you wanted to call it in his life. I'm, I'm done with that. I want that out of here. I want nothing to do with that. I don't want that to even get a foothold anywhere in the world right now, passionately against anybody who followed Jesus. So much so that he was a part of like, you know, cheering on people that were killing folks that were following Jesus. Yet God, God in his unbelievable way, miraculously flips this person's life on its head. Flips a person who hates who Jesus is and flips them around. And all of a sudden, through that experience of meeting the living Jesus, Paul is passionately convinced that Jesus is the truth and the way and is the resurrected power of God for people to transform their life. 
And in your life and in mine, we may not have had a spectacular experience like that with Paul, but all of us, if we've come to meet Jesus, God has flipped us on our head. And if he hasn't, he'd love to. And it'd be a great experience. Because God is passionate about who you are. He loves who you are. So Paul's in, Paul's in prison in Rome, and he writes this letter to this church. And this, this is maybe uh, the most tender of Paul's letters because it's to a group of people that he helped to plant, but he also loves these people, and he, he's thinking back on them. So as we read this, and I'll read it to us, but as we read these first few verses in the, the, at the very opening of the letter, he, Paul, Paul writes from prison in Rome, he says, I thank my God, I thank my God. I love that. I thank my God every time I remember you. Paul's thinking back, he's, he's remembering. It, they're on his heart, they're in his mind, these people. I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Until the day when Jesus returns on earth, I'm praying for you. I know that God set you apart, given you a task. I'm praying for you. I love you. You bring me joy when I begin to even think about you remarkable. Well, let me give you three fundamental choices of a person who wants to seriously follow Jesus. So if you're following along in your notes, here we go. So here's choice number one. Am I a person who affirms or criticizes? Am I a person who affirms or criticizes? Paul's remembering this group of people and he is affirming them in this entire letter. You read the whole, the whole of this letter to the Philippians. He's going to affirm them all the way through. He's going to caution them about being careful not to get a little bit off track, that there are people in the church in Philippi that are arguing and debating a little bit. And he's saying, just be careful. Don't let that get out of hand. Pull everybody back together. It's really important that you stay together in Christ and that you know exactly where I'm taking, where God's taking you. I just want to affirm you and tell you you're my joy, you're my hope. I'm praying for you every day. Are you a person who affirms or criticizes? Do you use words that affirm other people? Are you an affirming person? This, uh, you can find these lists. I found this several years ago. Um, I refer to it a lot. It's 101 ways to encourage a child. Now, you go... This could be for anybody. It doesn't have to just be for a child. It could be for a friend, a peer, a parent, a grandparent, grandkid, whoever. But just listen to some of the phrases that are used less than this little list. Way to go. Outstanding. These are like positive affirmation phrases. We need to use these kinds of things. I knew you could do it. I'm proud of you. You're incredible. How did you do that? You figured it out. You are a winner. I like the way you did that. How did you do that? Teach me how to do that. What an imagination. On and on. You make me laugh. You make my day. I love you. I love you. Words of affirmation, phrases of affirmation, and we go, wow. People need affirmation. All of us need affirmation. Words of affirmation to a child, but consider the people that you like to be around. 
Who are the people that you like to be around? Are they critical people or are they affirming people? I can usually tell when I'm around critical people. If I've been around them too much, all of a sudden I get a little caustic. My sense of humor kind of gets a little dark. Uh, I start thinking a kind of negative stuff. I'm not that much fun to be around. People are like, yeah, okay. Um, you know, that kind of stuff. Like, but, but, when you're around, but when you're around people who are affirming, it's different, isn't it? So if you were going to choose, am I going to be around people who are critical or affirming? Who do you want to be around? In your, in your walk with God, in your life with Jesus, who are the people that you want to be around? Do you want to be around people who are critical or people who affirm? People who affirm you in the faith are people who are thinking the best about you. They believe in you. They not only believe in you, they hope for you. They're praying for you. They're challenging you. They're moving you forward in your walk for God. They are thinking about your future for you. When you fall down, they lift you. They're right there. They lift you up. They take you and they pray for you and they move you on. But they're challenging you to be your best, to be better, to be the person God is making you to become. You're around critical people. They don't talk about God. They talk about things that, that are broken and fallen apart, and they'll, they'll pull out the negatives on situations. Even within the church, that can happen. And it's like, be careful to not slide that direction. Be a person who affirms what God's doing in people's lives. Take time with people to express who they are and how you see God in their life. That's how we learn. That's how we learn about giftedness. It's how we learn about our place and the importance of that within the life of the body of Christ. It's how we learn how to be Jesus in the world and in our neighborhood. It's when we begin to affirm because God is about affirming people. God is about raising you up. God is about lifting you to a different height than you thought possible. God is the one that has marked your steps. He knows where he wants you to go, and he wants you to get there. But he needs people to help you get there. And you need to help the person sitting next to you today get to where God wants them to go. And that's not an easy task if you look at some of those people next to you. I get that. But God wants to help you get people where he wants them to go. Amen? Amen. Right. Because that's what God wants. God is about affirmation. He's not about the critical side of life. I love that Paul writes this letter and is so encouraging and affirming in the situation that he is in. He's in prison. I'm not going to have you raise your hand if you've been in prison. If you've been in prison. But in, just think about that. A person who's in prison. They're a captive, right? They're captive. They're probably in a cell. They might get out for a little bit and then back in, but they're captive. There's not freedom there. But Paul expresses this incredible amount of affirmation for a group of people while he is imprisoned. We miss that sometimes. That's real life for Paul. That's being beat up. That's being separated from people that he loves. Yet some remarkable things happen. Even when he is in a circumstance that is so negative, he is still affirming. Amazing, amazing what God's doing. Critical or affirmation? The need for encouragement among people is incredibly immense. In verse 12 and following, it says this. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, 
that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Interesting. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Now, just the insight of that passage is amazing. Paul imprisoned, and yet he sees a bigger picture. Your circumstance right now, can you see a bigger picture? The most desperate thing that you're having to deal with right now, can you see a bigger picture? Because Paul sees a bigger picture. He is captive, but he sees a bigger picture. Even in that captivity, what happens? The palace guard hears about the gospel. The people he's chained to, all over the whole area, the gospel is spreading. In fact, the gospel not only is spreading, but the word of what God is doing through the power of it is making the others who believe and are following Christ stronger, more confident, more bold in their faith. So Paul doesn't allow his circumstances to miss the larger picture. Don't let your circumstances miss the larger picture of what God's doing in your life. He might use some desperate situation to expand the gospel because of you. I love that. Hebrews says this. Hebrews 3.13 says, But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. That is like right now, this day, today. Today, encourage somebody. Let me just say that again. Today, encourage somebody. Encourage somebody today. They need it. You need to do it. Hmm. Could be menial thing. I do this with my kids. I've done it for years. I, it's just something I feel like, you know, I need to be doing this. How do I become a person of affirmation? So especially if I take my family or my kids, like we go to a fast food place or something like that, I always, almost without fail, when I am done eating, I go back to the counter and I speak loudly to everybody that's behind the counter and I just say, hey, thank you. If you see a person who is washing windows or is sweeping up or is picking up garbage, if you see that in a park or in an area and that's their job, just stop and say, thank you, it looks great. I appreciate that you're making it clean because they're doing a service job, menial, whatever. Nobody thanks those people. Their boss doesn't even thank them. But they're making a difference. If you begin to speak words of affirmation, it'll bubble out into other areas. But that's a great way to begin. Speak words of affirmation into the lives of people. Speak words of affirmation into people around here. If there are people here that are watching your kids or grandkids, and usually your kid just kind of runs out, you grab them and run home. No, take a moment, turn back, go back to that room. Look that person in the eye and say, thank you for investing in my grandson. If you see someone around here who's picking up the trash, or they're moving tables, or they're fixing the chairs, or they're working with children or students or whatever. Just take a moment and go over and say to them, thank you. 
When you see them doing something great, a young person, tell them, man, when you do that, it's awesome. Because that's, that's how they begin to get who they are. It's how you begin to get who you are. But sometimes we need people to speak into our life, don't we? We need to be affirmed about the person God made us to be. Let's be people of affirmation. I want to be great at it. I don't want to be good at it. I want to be great at affirmation. I don't want to be critical. We got enough of those people. I want to be great at affirmation. I think the church ought to be the best, most affirming place in the world to anybody and to everybody. Be a person of affirmation. So here's my test question for you today in that area. Am I more fun to live with this year or am I more uptight? Now think about that. If you're a little bit older like me, I go, the older I get, seems like the more brittle I become, the more kind of calloused I can easily become. And I don't want to be that way. I, I want to be a person who's like, people like to be around me. Am I, are you more fun to be around with this year or are you more uptight? Maybe that's the only thing that God's going to say to you this morning. That's not a bad thing. Maybe just play on that one. Okay, here's the second piece. The second choice, I think, in following Jesus right here is, am I a participant or a spectator? Am I a participant or a spectator? I love that it says in verse 4 at the end, in verse 5, it says, I always pray with joy because of, here it is, because of your partnership. There's that word. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day, first day until now, partnership. I don't know about you, but right now, if you're like a football person, you love this time of year. I mean, unless your team's like, I'm a 49er guy, so we won't go there. But anyway, so, but I'm just saying, excuse me for living. But anyway, so here's the deal. But like, if you're a a pro, you know, football guy, or you're a a college person, you're like, you're kind of like in hog heaven. You know what I mean? Like, this is a great time. There's games on, you're watching people. And you know, if you go to a game, if you've been to a game, whether it's baseball or football, and the stadium's packed with people or whatever, and you go there, I mean, just going, walking in is like an event. You walk in, you're walking in with all these people and, uh, and it's great. There's like incredible energy, right? You get in the stadium, people are screaming and yelling and they're like, if you're in college, they're like rumbling one side of the stadium and another side of the stadium and back and forth. It's loud. It's, it's amazing. It's like this incredible electricity. The game's going on. If it's a good game, it's back and forth and people are yelling and screaming. It's like, I love going to sports events like that. It's like one of my favorite things to do. And I read this, it was like uh, legendary football coach uh, Paul Wilkinson, Bud Wilkinson said, he was asked years ago, he said uh, about pro football, he said, has, uh, had, what impact has pro football had on society? And Wilkinson said this, absolutely none. Absolutely none. He said 22 passionate, in shape Athletes playing their hearts out in front of 55,000 out-of-shape passive people. So they're entertained, but they're not influenced. The call of Christ is to serve us. It's to get in the game. The call of Jesus on your life and my life is to participate not just to spectate. Spectate's easy. Spectate is coming in 
finding our seat, sitting down, whatever. But to participate is to experience God enriching your life by lifting out your gifts and abilities that He formed and fashioned each and every one of you uniquely to live into those, to discover those. You know, there will be classes here, and they have been in the past, and they will in the future, that help us to discover, like our giftedness, how we're gifted, how God made us, what we're good at. You play into your strengths. You play into how God's gifted you. And if you don't know what those things are, how you discover those things, we'll have classes to help do that. But you know, there's another way. Another way is just, just do it. Just try. If you see an area where they're asking for help, go serve. You don't have to have the spiritual gift of service to go serve. You can go serve. And you know what? When you do that, whether you enjoyed it or not, I'll tell you, you'll meet some people and you'll enjoy building some new relationships. Just serve. Just give it a try. Give it a shot. You might discover that, wow, I didn't think I wanted to give any time to this, or I didn't really have the time or whatever. I didn't want to do it or whatever, but I did it. I felt like God asked me to do it. I went ahead and did it. God will bless you for doing that. And you'll discover some things about yourself. Being a participant is much different than a spectator. And I get that, that not everything, we can't participate in everything. I totally get that. I'm not saying that, but I am saying, boy, there are opportunities for you to grow into the person God wants you to be. And one of the best ways is try. One of the best ways is to try. And that's a great thing. Be a participant. Wow. One of the great things about the church is the church is about... Uh, it's about being a part of a group where you're not alone. It's about realizing that on your own, you can't be the church. I've met people that think they can, but they can't. On our own, we can't be the church. God's designed it so that it is a body. It's a community. It's a living organism. It is the, it is the organic church. It is the organic body of Jesus. So I think that's a pretty important part. Does anybody know what this is? Power aid. What's, what's the purpose of power aid? Okay, electrolytes. And electrolytes, for those of us who aren't, don't speak that language, electrolytes are for what? Okay, your nerves. But what is it supposed to do? It's supposed to hydrate. What else? Energy. Energize. Right. It's supposed to refresh, restore, renew. It's all, you know, it replenishes, right? Okay, Anthony, you got hands? Okay, there you go. Um, who's got hands on this side? All right. Okay. Everybody, some people are hiding from me. Will, you got hands over there, buddy? You got it? Can you see it? Oh, oh yeah. There we go. That could have been a, that, that could have been a lawsuit right there. Okay. Anyway. Um, but here's the deal. So, so in our lives, we can't do it alone, right? So we, but we need to be replenished. We need to be renewed, restored. We need the Spirit of God to be doing that, but in the church, we need people around us to be able to do that. We need people that will stand with us, that will help to replenish us. We need people that will bring that kind of energy and life back to restore and keep us moving forward. I was, I, when I was in the fourth grade, uh, and I, I grew up going to church. Sorry. I mean, I grew up going, I, before I was born, I was in church. My mom was pregnant, I was in church. I mean, I grew up in church. So I've been to church enough. 
I mean, I get to heaven, I don't think God's going to say, you know, you needed to learn and you need to listen to more sermons. I don't think he's going to say that. I mean, I've been in church, but you know what? In my church growing up, some of us had bad experiences at church. I get that. Some had great experiences in church. In my church growing up, you know, we had these class, Sunday school classes and all of that, and I had like the grades and all. The fourth grade, I had a Sunday school teacher that taught the fourth grade boys Sunday school class. And I had this guy named John Morris, an older guy. You know, he, was, uh, he wasn't like in great shape. He was an older dude. I mean, like I was into sports. He really, I don't know, you know, if he knew what a basketball was. But he, like John was there. But John was there every single week. John knew my name. John hugged me. John was glad to see me every week. When I got out of the fourth grade, he stopped doing it. No, 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 no. When I got out of the fourth grade Sunday school class, John still hugged on me, said hello to me, loved on me. For years and years and years, I went away to school, seminary, was working in a church. John passed away. His wife, Dorothy, I went to the service. His wife, Dorothy, was there. And Dorothy came up to me, and I came up to Dorothy, and she looked at me, held me, and looked at me and said, we prayed, John and I prayed for you every single day. you got to have people in your life that are praying for you. If you're worried about, like, I just don't have spiritual energy. I don't know where to turn. I just don't have the answers. I don't know what to do. I feel at a loss. I'm just not that strong spiritually. you gotta have, you got to have a personal prayer team. I encourage all of our staff people, that every church I work in, you got to have a personal prayer team. Every one of you. In the church today, I'm saying to you, you need to have a personal prayer team. You need to have some people in your life who are committed to praying for you every day because you know what? You need it. Like Power Age, you need to have the resources of people in your life that know and love and care about you and will be committed to praying for you every single day. You need it. Jesus can't afford to have you running on empty. You need to have the empowerment of God by people who know it and are praying for you. And you don't have to have a big team. You might have two or three or four. They don't have to live near you. They might be the other side of the world, across the country. Could be your spouse. Doesn't have to be your spouse. But you need to be, you need to have a personal prayer team. If you don't have it, no wonder you're weak spiritually. No wonder you don't have the power to move forward the way God wants you to move. So let me just encourage you. Think of a couple of names. You go, I don't know that many people. I just started coming to this church. Great. Grab some people around here and say, would you be a prayer team person for me? That's a legit thing to do. If somebody came and said that to you, you ought to go, great, I'd love to do that. And you take them on. Now the other side is this. Who is it for you? Who are you praying for? Who is it that you are a personal prayer person for? Who may not even know, may never even know that you prayed for them, but you're taking them on. Maybe it's a grandchild, a neighbor's kid, a friend, a peer, somebody you don't get along with. I don't know, I don't, but you're pray, you've committed to praying for them every day. And you're the champion of their life in prayer. You're taking it seriously to pray for them every single day. You're opening up windows and doors of faith so that they can break through to be the person God wants them to be. You are the champion of prayer in somebody's life. Who is that? 
Who are those people? And if you don't have them, start that right now. You be somebody's champion so that their faith, whether they even ever realize it or not, you open doors because you knocked on heaven's door and God ripped it open so they could live and they could discover the kind of person God wanted them to be. You be somebody's personal prayer team. Amen? Amen. It starts with prayer. We don't go anywhere without it. It starts with prayer. So here's my test question for you at the back of that one. Am I using my gifts in, for personal comfort or to build the kingdom of God? We talked about being a participant or a spectator. Are you using your personal gifts, the abilities, all of the stuff that God's made you to be? Are you using those for like your personal comfort? Are you kind of just sitting on them or to advance the kingdom? And if you're like, I'm not sure how to get there, boy, come talk to us as staff. Come talk to some leaders in the church. We'd love to sit down with you and try to help discover and unearth what that might be. And as I said, there's classes for that. There's places to serve to discover that. But boy, let's be kingdom people and let's see what God does. Okay, here's the third and final kind of area. The third and final choice is this. Am I a person of faith or doubt? Am I a person of faith or doubt? And, and by doubt, I, I don't mean unbelief. I just don't believe. No, I'm, I'm, I'm using doubt in a little bit different way. All of us have questions about what we believe. And we don't want to live in the arena of doubt where it like pulls us away from God. But we want to believe and, and know in ourselves that we have a strong and secure faith. We know who we believe in. We know the truth about Jesus. We believe in his truth. We believe in his guidance. We believe in his presence. We believe that he will come again for us. We believe that he's in the world. He's in our life. So we're settled on that part of the truth. Am I a person of faith? Yeah, I'm a person of faith, but I still go through doubts and questions in my life. That's legit. That's legit, right? So I go in my life, Hopefully, I'm sure it's similar for you. We have questions. We have some doubts. We wonder, why did that take place? Or how does that work? Or what's God doing over there? Why is our culture that way? Or whatever those things are, we need to let those questions and doubts drive us deeper in our faith. When those things come across your mind, come across your desk or in your family, take the opportunity to investigate them open God's Word up, talk to some other more mature Christian people, get around God's Word and begin to investigate the answers to some of those questions because I guarantee you God's got the answers. But if we don't look, our doubts can begin to erode our faith. And we want to be people of strong, secure, passionate faith. Not driven by doubts, but when doubts come our way, we know, ah, it's an opportunity for my faith roots to grow deeper. So let me challenge you this morning. Let's let your roots grow deeper. Get in conversations. Get in God's Word. Ask other people. Seek God's wisdom to unlock the answers to those questions. Make sense? Yeah, so questions, doubts, those aren't bad we want to use those to become a positive to move us in God's direction. Hmm. 
faith or doubt. It's easy to be a doubtful person. Hebrews 11.4 says this. I love this. One of my favorite verses. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. It doesn't say how much faith. It just says without faith, it's impossible to please God. You have to, to get to God, to get with God, to get around God, to open up with God. It's going to take some faith. It's going to take some trust. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Be a person who earnestly seeks God. I don't know what that looks like for you. And maybe it's taken some smaller steps at first in your seeking of God. But maybe, maybe this is a really good time in your life to take some stronger steps in seeking God. To take the time to make positive steps to move down God's path with a little more confidence, with a little more precision with God, with a little more knowledge that I'm going in the right direction, with a little more connection with God as I take those steps into areas of my life that I'm not quite sure where it's taken me, but I'm trusting. Maybe this is the time in your life right now that helps you to take more defined trusting steps. Maybe they're a little bit bigger than they were a week ago, to earnestly seek God. Can't do it alone. Jesus said, call on me, seek me, you'll find me. Trust in me, Jesus said. I'll send my spirit, I'll guide and direct you, I'll lead your path. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, for God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of self-discipline. I love those words. So when you feel kind of overwhelmed, which we all do at points, we feel like dejected or pushed to the side or uneasy or worried and over-anxious about things, that's not God. That's like being alone. Because Jesus... Jesus said, and Paul wrote, because God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. Interesting three little phrases right there, huh? Power, love, and self-discipline. That's when God is present. When God is present, power begins to happen. Love begins to seep out all over. We begin to find a self-disciplined life, and we begin to be deeper and deeper in our faith with God. I love that. So here's my last little test question for you. Are my best days ahead of me or have I already had them? Are my best days ahead of me or have I already had them? Wow. You know, I heard this story some time ago, and it's a story about uh, a true story about a missionary couple that had been missionaries for almost their entire lives uh, in Haiti. And they worked with the poorest of poor people in Haiti, and they worked in, um, they worked in some villages, and they worked in outsides of villages, and they worked in 
orphanages, and they gave their lives to serving Jesus in Haiti. And uh, Margaret was her name, the woman, and it became time for them to retire. So they retired from being missionaries in Haiti and came back to the United States with what little they had, and they moved into a retirement center. And not that long after, and they'd been married for like 60 years, not long after they had moved into the retirement center, Margaret's husband passed away. She found herself alone in this retirement center, just kind of sitting around most of her days, pretty much unfulfilled at 90 years old. She thought, this just isn't, this just isn't working for me. So she took what little furniture and belongings she had and sold it all and bought a one-way ticket back to Haiti. And she went back to, to one of those orphanages where there was a rocking chair. And she said, if all I can do is rock, then I'm going to rock where I can make a difference. And she held babies and rocked them and loved them for Jesus. You might say, you know, I, I'm, I'm just not that good at this or that, or I'm not that qualified for this, or I really don't, I'm not, I don't have, I've not gone to Bible school. I don't, that's not God speaking. That's not the word of faith speaking into your life. God speaks the word of life into you and me. We need to grab onto that fact that God's words are life for us. And God's words are to steward who he is into our world, to live out Jesus in our world. And let me tell you, your best days are ahead of you because God is always charting the way. God is always out ahead of your life. He's always looking to the future for you. He's always concerned about the next steps and phases for you. He knows exactly what he's designed for you and for me. Ours is to walk in confident faith in the direction that he's taken us. Your best days are ahead of you. Would you pray with me? Today, Jesus, we're just, we're just people. But remarkably, we're your people. We belong to you. You belong in us. That's where we belong. So today, my friend, wherever you're at, maybe check yourself in the areas of affirmation and criticism. Maybe it's just checking yourself at, at being a participant or a spectator. Maybe it's checking yourself on being moving deeper rootedness and faith and letting doubts go or at least dealing with doubts with faith in the mix. Or maybe it's just saying, you know, God, I just, I want to keep moving on your path because I know your future is the best for me. God, we want that. We want to be your people for your kingdom because we want to be just like Jesus. Amen.